position. Affirmative. Negative. I am the milkman. My milk is delicious. Roger that. Okay, let's go. Welcome to the Best Linux Games Podcast. Go, go, go! The best Linux games, the best games available for the uh, GNU slash Linux operating system via the mechanism and distribution network known as Steam, brought to you by Valve. After 700,000 years, the Steam has come to Linux, and beyond that, it has come to Linux in the form of the egalitarian Linux-like platform, Steam, an open marketplace in which... That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's Saturday, and that means it's time for one thing. It's time for the podcast where the quality goes in before the name goes on. You're listening to the Best Linux Games Podcast, a companion piece to the uh, Steam group of the same name. Find us on Steam, you know, uh, join us on Steam, and friend me on Steam. My name is Scooky Sprite. I am your host. In case this is your first time here, uh, the ground rules for everything that we do are very simple. We have news. We have the latest titles that we are interested in. Of course, features, you know, like kind of in-depth looks or reviews. And then we have, of course, everyone's favorite the deals! Uh, the best games that you can buy for as cheap as possible. If you join us on the group, our recommendations are curated with the sole criteria of... It must run on Linux, and it must be really good. These are recommendations only, of course. Uh, not complete reviews, which generally will follow, um, especially once they get some other mofos on this show. And as always, the content that awaits you ahead may not be appropriate for members of all species, races, genders, classes, creeds, and especially might not be age or work appropriate. So, it begins. Let's get the Linux gaming on, bitches! Hello, friends and neighbors. Welcome to episode number 189 of the Best Linux Games Podcast being recorded for you late on this uh, Tuesday, the 12th of June at 8.48 a.m. So for our sequel friends, that would make it, uh, what, 2018? Uh, uh, June the 6th? January, February, March, April, May, June. Yeah. Wow, we're already in June. Uh, 2018-06-12 at 0848 hours. A.M. Pacific Coast Time. The coast with the most, yes. Crack engineer Ivor Molina over there in the booth, holding up the whiskey sign. Ah. Yes, we are late, but let's get straight to our top stories. We will enjoy that whiskey in a moment, but let's get straight to our top stories while we can retain some semblance of focus in the face of all of this madness. We have a lot of show for you this week. So, uh, first off in our top stories, uh, we are late because of my Prusa i3 Mark III finally fucking arrived. Original Prusa Mark III i3. And then, so I've been printing the storm. It's been a while since I've had a functional fucking 3D printer. Um, to be honest, it's been, wow, it's been 
several months. I mean, I, I, I this is my sixth printer. I, uh, somewhere between my fifth, yeah, somewhere between my fourth and sixth, because I do have. I can think of three off the top of my head that I have in my garage. Then I can think of the fourth that I built solely to build one um, of that type, which was actually a RepRap Guru uh, Prusa gener- generic uh, with a um, what do you call it? a clear acrylic frame. Not my favorite printer at all. And then you know there were uh, two uh, mono price printers that I. I have, um, one of which is actually very good, um, which is, I think, a Maker Select V2, but I could be entirely wrong, because I haven't used that one in forever, and then there was the printer that has been the main workhorse of my printing capability for the last two years, except, excepting, of course, for the last several months, and that would be my, uh, Hicktop, uh, Prusa i3 Mark II clone, which no longer resembles a Hicktop uh, i3 clone at all anymore, in either form, function, I mean, as I was tearing it down, which was very sad, I regarded this printer as my Millennium Falcon, because it's a, it's as close to being a Franken printer as you can get without actually just fucking printing your own frame, or, you know, making your own frame out of wood, or whatever, um, as I was tearing it apart and doing the parts inventory for it, this is my Hicktop i3. I know you didn't come here to hear me babble about, uh, 3D printers, but this is, this is kind of a moment for me. I felt very sad tearing this motherfucker apart, and so I had to, you know, put everything, uh, into boxes, because I do have, uh, a huge retinue of spare parts for it, because I've been, it has been in service for fucking three years, or for, uh, not three years, for... Not quite two years, but, um, and so as I was tearing it apart and shit, matching the stuff that was actually in service with the actual, uh, replacement parts that I've ordered and have used, you know, frequently, um, it occurred to me that there is absolutely nothing other than the frame, and even the frame on my Hicktop, I had heavily customized, um, I printed up, uh, uh, custom... Uh, joints, custom supports for the actual joints of the um, the metal frame, but uh, I mean, we're talking nothing, not the fans, not the hot end, not the thermistor, not uh, the belts, none of the belts were original um, by the time it finally went out of service, not any of the modifications to the belt, I had a belt tensioner that Blah. I had a uh, camera mount that, you know, I custom fucking added to it. Not even the wiring on the board from the power source, not even the wiring from the PSU to the fucking control board. That was all custom. Power source unit itself, also custom. Um, I had ripped, not, not even the build plate was still original it was all upgraded and this machine used to be my Millennium Falcon, I used to say. <laughs> you know, she she might not look like much kid, but I made a few modifications and she's got it where it counts. And that printer was a beast and very 
relatively inexpensive. If you if all you wanted it, it well not all, but if what you were really trying to do was learn 3D printing from the ground up. I mean the fucking I just realized I went through fucking four different or not four. Holy shit, there was not a single piece of that machine that was not upgraded retooled, I mean, forget replaced I had replaced stuff like several times on that machine I think it was our third build plate on that machine, anyway so it it will be missed, but it has been replaced by a superior creature a Prusa, literally an original Prusa Mark III um, version 3.02 because I haven't flashed the firmware yet uh, and I've I've printed five prints on it test prints, all of them um and it's blown my fucking mind, that's how good it is so there's that, and then yesterday I had allergies again which, there's nothing worse than trying to record this show when you're sneezing try to watch a live stream of someone when they have bad allergies it gets really annoying and so they just mute themselves, that's what I do when it's really bad but anyway so that's why we're late that's also why we are delaying the column this week until this Friday or this upcoming weekend. It will be about, well, ostensibly it should be about the Pillars of the Earth. Ken Fall, it's the Pillars of the Earth, which um, they've made a game out of, which if you're as old as fuck like me, is really wicked insane. Because that game, that those books, which I read when I was far too young, um, are like interminable, endless gulags of fucking dark ages, medieval era despair. I, I, I told uh, my friend Artie, who some of you may remember, Art Chick, from uh, the Seven Days to Die episodes, all 100,000 of them, of this podcast. I told her that I was, because I was blown away that they actually made this fucking game. Because it's like, you know, blah. So I, I texted her about she's a teacher, and so she, you know, she, I figured she probably has read them. I was like, yeah, I would review it, but it would be a fucking monumental task. It would probably take me five generations, and by the time I was finished, whoever was left fucking putting the paper to bed with that shit wouldn't have any idea what any of it meant anymore. See, because pillars of the earth is about building cathedrals across generations and so sometimes if you read the books sometimes it feels like it's stone by fucking stone in real time but uh it's a very interesting game it's uh it's it's one of those games it's like almost a hybrid of a visual novel and a classic point and clicker adventure game but they bring some new uh game design uh conceits and tricks to the way that they made that game that make it worth, uh, definitely worth a column. Hopefully I'll be able to get to that um, either later today or sometime this week. Uh, but that's, you know, who knows? We're off to the races. So, um, yeah, because I mean, it it really is an impressive game uh, and an ambitious one, for real. It's, like, it's just like building your own... Oh, just like, oh shit, just like building your own cathedral, or, you know, a cathedral for a village or whatever, and fucking 
feudal Europe. Um, the idea that they would make those books into a game first seemed absolutely ludicrous and hilarious to me. And so I had to buy the game because it, it now runs great on Linux. Um, and then just to see what the fuck did you bring to this? And they brought they brought a lot, even though it is a data lick game, and I don't really like them that much. Although I can't specifically state why. It's just more of a feeling of a memory than an actual memory of a specific game that makes me dislike them. And our microphone as well. Ivor, you're fired! Crack Engineer Ivor Molina has now been ejected from this game. So, it's worth a column. Uh, our feature this week is Hyper Sentinel, a review of Hyper Sentinel. Four hours. We'll get to that in a moment. But, uh, before we get to our new and noteworthy, to close out our top stories, Many happy congratulations to a uh, longtime friend of me and occasional non-enemy or nemesis of the show, Captain Ford, my buddy Captain Ford, who I got to start streaming uh, on a Twitch stream under the name of Guild Captain, G-I-L-L-E-D-C-A-P-T-A-I-N. That is Captain Ford's uh, Twitch stream on which he will now begin at my eager and earnest and insistent and persistent behest to stream Factorio. No one that I... I don't know anyone at all, even by, like, reputation, who knows Factorio better than Captain Ford. And so, as I was explaining to him a couple of days ago, mm, and then we'll get on with the rest of the show, mm. Damn, that whiskey was good enough almost to make me want to rehire. Crack engineer Ivor Molina. But as I was explaining to him while entreaty, while issuing my fervent entreaties for him to please, for the love of God, man, you play this game all the time, you've been doing it for a year, please, please stream it for fuck's sake. My arguments were this, were fourfold. One, and these these cut both ways, although I have a much more relaxed um, system in terms of, like, my quality control for my own live streams because when, you know, I didn't have the four years of Twitch access experience training and ability to fuck up that Windows users have enjoyed over the, over the years. So, for me, even though, like, I'm getting kind of, I'm starting to feel like I'm getting the hang of it, and we're getting a lot more viewers and stuff, um, it's still highly experimental to me, is the way it feels. Because, like, I'm still working out what my actual process, our production process for it needs to be and and what is stream you know what should be streamed and what shouldn't be streamed and trying to figure out all this stuff but uh there are four things that I like to see being streamed and that I try to stream the first devastating mastery of a video game um like for instance see uh case in point uh, for your reference uh, my own humble live streams and recordings which are available on our Twitch stream, twitch.com slash skookiesprite, S-K-O-O-K-I-E-S-P-R-I-T-E 
of, you know, modest, basic video game accomplishments, like what it looks like, oh, say, after, you know, 230 hours of learning how to play Tomb Raider, then fucking going to the 28th day in endurance mode. You know, small things like that. For those of you who do not play Rise of the Tomb Raider, well, we're not going to go into that. Um, Endurance mode is the roguelike equivalent of the game in miniature. Uh, And if you die, that's the end of your run. I've made it to 28 days and evacuated. That's mastery of a video game if I've ever seen it. Or for instance, my Duskers videos, which are still available on YouTube. <laughs> Is anyone out there? Um, of the greatest uh, I'm not just I'm not just gonna say that like I'm personally confident. Go back to other episodes of this podcast if you want to hear me really fucking tell you the truth about this. But uh I'm not just gonna say that it's one of the best Duskers runs ever. It is the all-time greatest run at Duskers. And when I was in shape with Duskers, and I, I can easily return to full fucking strength. We're going to go about an hour and a half, Ivor. Ivor's looking at the time because of the Prusa rant. I will absolutely throw down the gauntlet to thee, to any takers and comers, anyone who wishes to challenge, anyone who wants to step to death row. We can fucking do this on Duskers. I will fucking pave you and teach you how to play uh, I will need a week lead time, though, because I have not played the game in about a year. Uh, but yeah, when you get to your 270th derelict in one run, when you exhaust locations left in the universe to explore, that falls neatly under the first category of stuff that I like to see live live stream. These are not in order of primacy or importance, but first, things that I love to see live stream... Total dominance of a video game, absurd mastery, two levels that I didn't even, that maybe I suspected might be possible, but take that to like double that. And that's what I like to see. That's first thing. Second thing is someone who is really good at a lot of games, a trusted voice that I have watched play um, either in discovery phases of video games or have watched them do, like, a bunch of Rise of the Tomb Raider, you know, runs, like, my fucking five-hour, four-hour-long, fucking 28 days later endurance mode thing. I like to... Either in that same game that they're that I know them for being really good at, or in another game that I've never seen them good at, really fucking massively suck fail. We're talking, like, impossible suck fail and this can be either through like they never played the game before which is frequent which you know not frequent but uh i'd say at least once a month i try to put something on the twitch stream of our you know for for this show skooky sprite s-k-o-k-i-e-s-p-r-i-t-e um where it's like i have no idea what i'm doing and oh look i exploded i love those I especially love them when they're edited into, like, highlight reels and stuff, which is something I tried to do in terms of, like, my Rise of the Tomb Raider endurance mode shit. Because I wanted to put up, put together a three-minute-long greatest deaths reel of just, like, every chunk of it being 20 seconds long. 
So that'd be like five, that'd be like 15 fucking greatest deaths with plenty of context for each. Um, or you could even do it at six minutes and double the length. So, you know, you could have more context if they were needed. And then just watch me suck and fail and die. Um, which is even funnier when you know that they're really good at the game. Um, cause like some games, I prefer, it seems like I've just gravitated along with the rest of the entire gaming universe to really, 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 really enjoy and actually design and, uh, appreciate the, the design aspects of roguelikes. So they provide ample opportunity for like a fucking dark Jedi master to get owned at the beginning of his fucking run. Like, ah, like, oh, it can be, it can be so fast. It can be like, you know, 20 seconds in. And, oh, I'm dead. Great. <laughs> I find that very amusing. So number three, I find game criticism like literally thought out, not, um, not a uh, hair bitten, flea bitten, overly edited stuff like the type of shit that you used to see on CNET or whatever, like, you know, maybe 10 years ago or whatever, like, oh, well, now we're going to play this game. No, that's called fucking footage for a game review. I like to see live stream stuff where people who are very smart and really uh, have a good um, appreciation for the qualities of a given title that they really like and wish to highlight from a critical perspective, bring that to their overall stream. I'm not trying to give everyone like fucking tips on live streaming or anything, but I'm just throwing this out there. And then the fourth thing that I really love to see, and by the way, as a corollary to the third thing, you know, the critical blah, is also pointing out unique features of a strategy or a tactic that they're using to do certain things in the game. So it's more like a play discussion, you know, blah. And there are moments in very many of my live streams where I'm not entirely muted, where invariably I'll go into that in some degree, shape, or form. Um, and I generally do it for at least once per every video game that I live stream. Then finally, and this is my particular fucking special skill, so maybe... Maybe it's not right that I mention it. But I love to see some... Oh, shit, sorry. I love to see someone go off the rails and lose their fucking mind. Does not have to be, as it so often is in my case, due to booze and weed, but it can just be this watching someone who's been playing for way too long Especially, like, you know, I don't watch anyone who streams Counter-Strike anymore. But I, I'm not going to go into that. I'm not even going to bring up Counter-Strike too late. Oh, shit, I brought up. But no, I'm not even going to talk about it. But even without, like, the um, application of... Um, the, the stringent and thorough application of uh, brain toxins and uh, cleansing deterrifiers, those are... That's a, you know, I made that up. Yes, I did. That's not a word. And nor is it a neologism because it means nothing. But, um, you don't need to rely on booze, kids, or weed or anything, or you don't need to huff paint or, um, you know, uh, you, no more Tide Pods, uh, in order to get yourself to be a fucking wreck on your own live stream. I find that very amusing. Um, of course, that never happens to me. 
on my live stream. We are, of course, focused professionals at all times. Right, Ivor? Focused, clear-headed, professional. More whiskey. Mm. So many happy congratulations to Captain Ford. And if... Because, okay, so Factorio, this is... uh, I know, Ivor, we're only gonna... Everything else is gonna be very short. This is going to be a seven-hour-long episode of this podcast. I can feel it. I can fucking taste it in my bones. Think about Captain Ford. And especially about Factorio. Captain Ford has excellent taste in video games, by the way. Um, and he, he plays a lot of games. Because uh, he, like I... He has a very regular schedule, though. But he, like I generally wakes up fucking insanely early for his job. Um, and games for a portion of his wake-up, you know, cycle reboot process, which I generally do, but it just looks like I'm always gaming or whatever because I have a bizarre sleep schedule that is fucking always ever-changing and it's weird living in two different time zones at once and all the, anyway. So, the, the fucked up thing though is Captain Ford happens to be expert in Factorio. A game which I learned from experiencing a friend of mine, her name is Violet. She's a Windows gamer though, so please don't hurt her. Um, she let me jump in and watch her City Skylines game through Steam, through the Steam, you know, blah, which you can't do with Linux, which sucks, but, you know, blah. I was on a Linux machine when I watched it, and I was really drunk and stoned, and, you know, I was a total wreck, and I was done with my day or whatever, and I got mesmerized by watching her immense City Skylines shit, and I'm asking her all these questions about which... DLC she's running, and you know, because I've never seen that building before, go back to the middle, you know, blah, 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 and it, it was really, really, really a lot of fun, it ended up being like two hours of my life that day, this is months ago, so Factorio, here's the thing about Factorio though, and why Captain Ford is the guy to go watch, Factorio is not a simple game, Captain Ford, it does not appear that he has a microphone, He's not making any effort to explain any of this shit to you. He is on one of his many, 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 many games. The last when when he uh, when I finally convinced him to start live streaming this, it's like you know. Well, let's see how much time Captain Ford's fucking spending in this fucking game. This is turning into our feature. Uh, Captain Ford. One moment, please. Thank you, Ivor, for pulling this up. I'm glad that you're fired now. So, 819 hours on record. 100 hours in the past two weeks of Factorio. And why this matters is this. Everyone needs to play Factorio. Because everyone will like it. For one reason or another, everyone will fucking like it and become addicted to it. And no, they do not pay me to say this. They pay me to say nothing. I don't even know who the fuck made Factorio. Um, But 
Factorio is an insanely complicated game. So if you don't know if you really want to play Factorio, and it started, oh, and trust me, you can check out our review of Factorio from months and months ago. It is very simple. It starts off very simple. It walks you through it in baby steps. It is not a game that runs away from you. They, I mean, they spent, they, they did a good job with this game. But like games of this level of complexity, of this level of insanity, it is so much more useful to spend 30 minutes watching someone fucking just run their game or one run of their saved game, run one of their saved games, which simultaneously demonstrates like, oh, the sheer vocabulary of what is possible alongside with, oh my god, you're a fucking maniac, because I'm I'm not pulling any punches, Captain Ford's out of his fucking mind when it comes to Factorio, he's like, uh, uh, Jojo Kimon Kendall with fucking Darkest Dungeon, I mean, we're talking sick, sick people, these people need to be, like, monitored or something, because, like, their mastery is so totally complete, Kind of like me with Rise of the Tomb Raider Endurance Mode, 28 days later. Hi, ah, come out of the wilderness. But especially for games that are like SimCity, I mean, it's it's reductionist to call uh, Factorio SimCity style, but it is, it's not a city planning game. It is a factory. It's not a factory either, though. And to say that it's an assembly line game is ridiculous. But anyway, it's a machine. It's 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 fantastic. And watching, uh, you should feel honored for now being allowed to watch Captain Ford and his total dominance of this game. He, in fact, I watched for like forty five minutes yesterday, and I know quite a bit about Factorio. I know how to play Factorio. I don't. I. Nah, I'm. To say that, like, I'm nowhere near uh, Captain Ford's degree of experience. I've played 28 hours. He's played 820 hours. Um, is like, you know, just ridiculous to say that, like, there's any comparison between me and him. But, um, like, they, like I haven't even ever beaten the game. But I know fundamentally, more or less, I thought, Kind of how to play the game. And then I watched for 45 minutes. I was just sitting there. I was like, I'm not going to message him. I'm not going to message him. Because I have no idea what the fuck this thing is that he's doing. And he knows. I know he knows. I'm going to try to figure it out. And then that was followed by five more things that were of similar complexity. <laughs> Made me feel like I had never played Factorio in my entire fucking life. He had like a fucking train system that his map in Factorio, if you've ever played Factorio, his map in Factorio, at least the map I was watching him play yesterday, which is his, I mean, he built it all, looks like SimCity on the macro view. It's like all paved. All of it is paved. <laughs> it's just fucking nuts. Anyway. So, that brings us to, I hit them with a new and noteworthy. Shall we? Yes, let us shall.
I was a North American fall when worm in my former life. Here are the newest and most noteworthy titles from this week. So, our new and noteworthy this week. First off, we have Ovivo. If my Steam client would fuck... Oh, okay, there we go. Uh, no, fuck you, Steam client. Ovivo, O-V-I-V-O. Which I have not played yet, but I did buy it because I saw it last week. Um, Ovivo builds itself as... And we're just going to read these games' descriptions more or less, except for two of them. Because I do have bones to pick. Ovivo is a mesmerizing platformer with unusual mechanics. It's a side-scrolling platformer. With unusual mechanics where everything is as simple as black and white. The whole game is in black and white. The journey in the metaphoric world filled with illusions with and hidden messages awaits you. Um, so far, the all reviews have been very positive. 151 came out May 12th, 2017. But it recently was released uh, on the apps... What? Oh, that's on iOS. But it recently got Linux support or something... Anyway, Ovivo, O-V-I-V-O, $7.99. When you're on, uh, like, stuff that's black, gravity works one way. When you're on stuff that's white, gravity works another. Something like that. It has a great visual style. I have not gotten the chance to play it because I keep playing hyperspace dogfights, to be honest with you. So that's Ovivo. Up next, in our new and noteworthy, we have this is a game that you'll hear more about because I do not know how I feel about this game. It is called Wizard of Legend. I've spent three hours playing it. Oh, shit. I just accidentally pressed play because I'm, like, fucking Pavlovian. Oh, yes. I could be doing a video. I could be playing a video game instead of recording this podcast. Always my natural default state. Um, Wizard of Legend. Well, here's... Let's be fair. Here's what their store page says. Wizard of Legend is a no-nonsense action-packed take on wizardry that emphasizes precise movements and smart comboing of spells in a roguelike dungeon crawler that features over a hundred unique spells and relics. Beyond that, it, so it's a faux demi-isometric one-third top-down view. It's faux, because it's like it's um, a pixel base, so it's fake 3D. Um... Roguelike procedural procedurally generated dungeon crawler. Um with great controller support, and it's fun to play. Like it's fundamentally fun to control your little wizard. And uh you can unlock cards and stuff. I've only played three hours through oh, three po- why did it say three hours on one page and three point six hours on the other? It's a big difference. Like, the difference between, like, it's not quite as big as the difference between zero and one, which is enormous. But, like, uh, difference between three hours and 3.6 hours is a big deal when you're trying to fucking figure out, you know, while talking to an audience about how much you've played a game, it's kind of a big deal. I'm not sure if I like this game at all. I keep playing it, which is kind of a sign that I like it. It seems to be really good when I'm high. But it also seems to be, like, impossible when I'm high. Because I'll just take a moment to digress here uh, to say that Wizard of Legend 
which, by the way, I should tell you is, uh, $15, $15.99. Wizard, Wizard of Legend, which also has evidently multiplayer, uh, co-op online built in. I have not tried it. You'd have to wait for a review of that for me, of the of this game. For it has this card based system that's kind of similar to Force Showdown, but like where every button on your controller gets mapped to a card, a a type of power. These cards they're not consumables, at least not so far that I've seen, but they give you a vast array of powers and combos and stuff. So it has potential, but I just keep failing to enjoy it that much. I did enjoy the living fuck out of the first hour and a half that I spent with it because it's it's a well-polished game and has great art um, within its limitations of, of its form. So up next is, sp- speaking of which, this is this game is in very similar... I was... I was I was actually going to roll both of these games into a feature, but I haven't given either of them anywhere near enough time to even speak. I can speak intelligently about them, but not... I mean, there's not a lot of depth in... Well, that's not fair. I want to give them both more time. Then there's Space God. That's the other game. Space God. S-P-A-C-E space G-O-D Space God builds itself as Space God is a hyper-retro neon-style top-down shooting game played single-player online co-op mode or online multiplayer don't stop, keep moving and you might survive, maybe came out April 19, 2018 I'll remind me later um Something got seven reviews. Uh, gaming on Linux or someone fucking mentioned this after I found it and bought it. Um, which is weird because I try not to read anyone else's stuff. But uh, gaming on—I think it was gaming on Linux or someone else. But anyway, I already bought it and I already been playing it. Uh, but they encouraged me through their glowing review or whatever. To give this game, uh, it's four dollars and ninety nine cents. By the way, so it's it's a uh, I would say normally it has a solid. Oh yeah, I read. Uh, ah ha ha! Here it is. It's on their fucking reviews section of their store page on the Steam client. It can become a little bit of a bullet hell too, which doesn't is not the way you want to start a sentence. But I'm I, I'm. Hey, you know, it's not, this is not an anti-gaming on Linux thing. This, I'm just saying it's a, kind of a weird way to start start a review. It can become a little bit of a bullet hell too, comma. Oh, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. It's been a fucking copywriting fucking shitstorm these last two weeks. It can become a little bit of a bullet hell too, but thanks to the different ships and weapons on offer, it's never a bore. It even has a pretty decent chilled soundtrack to go along with it. The Linux version ran like a god too. 
no issues at all, and super smooth performance. Gaming on Linux. That's what Gaming on Linux had to say. And that kind of... When I saw that, after I'd already bought it and downloaded it and tried to play it and experienced two principal frustrations, this game, which I don't know if it's made on made with Unity or whatever, but... This is one of the most infuriating types of problems that I experience commonly with uh, games for Linux since I started this podcast. Other than controllers not working at all. Only thing that is even almost more irritating than that. Because then I can shelve that game. If the game like actually is like a type of game that needs a controller and the controller, I cannot get my controller to work, I know how to write fucking UDEV rules. Like, I wrote a program that fucking... Mm. I know how to configure controllers on Linux. So if you can't fucking make music with my controller and your game in a Steam game that I buy from you, then normally what I do is I shelve it if it looks like it requires a controller. Like, if it's the type of game that I would need a controller to enjoy it. Normally I shelve it. And I'm I just, you know block because it's like fuck you you just failed like the first and ultimate test I cannot play your game there's only one thing that pisses me off more than that and that is what has happened on my mint 18.3 box uh, with space god which is the controller works fine in game more or less it is any menu that is outside of actual gameplay. Any, you know, GUI, any any user interface outside of actual gameplay, including the pause menu, including the options menu, you know, all menus, they require the mouse. This includes after you die. So you cannot just simply press start. You have to drop your controller. So here, here's the thing. Like, I mean, I... I I, ran, I didn't really run rat, rat poison in fucking production, but I spent almost all of my time on the command line, more or less, and well, at least traditionally over the last 10 years of Linux use, I try to do everything on the command line because it's faster, it's easier, and forever ago, I started really running Linux as my da- daily driver on a netbook, um... So, which is where I really, like, actually became a coder coder instead of someone who just fucks around with code. But that was forever ago. Bottom line is this. Every time you take off your hand, every time you remove your hand from the mouse to the keyboard or from the keyboard to the mouse is five seconds of your life. It's a lot of time. Every time I would guesstimate when you are not dead zero focused on it, like for instance, let's say you've been imbibing of some drinks, some alcoholic beverages, or whatever whatever sundry fucking, you know, you're on Prozac or whatever, I don't know. Whatever shit it is that you're into when you want to play your video games and go to bed. I would say that 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 the same distance between having to put down the controller and pick up the mouse is somewhere between, at best, 
and this is at best if they're all if you're at the same workstation physically I would say it's instead of 5 seconds I would say it's 15 to 25 seconds if you're you know on a couch or in a hammock as I am frequently or in bed then that runs into the minutes so when you die in Space God which has deliciously fluid controls more or less uh, with a gamepad and it is designed for a gamepad the game needs a gamepad when you die and you will die because the game is overwhelming and designed to kill you it's it's totally designed to kill you then you have to get you have to put down your controller someplace where you can find it again even though you may want to throw it because you just got killed then find your mouse or in my case a trackball, a wireless trackball then navigate that little cursor over to you know the restart button or whatever and then click on the mouse button your LMB to restart the map then you have to do that through every subsequent menu and there are several menus that you know cascade downwards from that menu from you know not a menu but a selection screen there you go that's a better way of saying it then now that you have your hands on your mouse on your or in my case trackball and you know your keyboard then you have to take a bunch of hits or whatever you just have to sit there for a minute as you once again remember oh yeah now I have to go back to the controller we'll have more to say about Space God later not this episode but some other episode but yeah that needs to be fixed because that's not just a quality of life issue that's like drills digging into my eye sockets trying to harvest my brain so they can sup greedily and with great delight on my endless amounts of frustration but it does run good it does run well with a controller once you're inside your your one life well you get like three lives or something like that but anyway I've not played it enough because those have been frustrating so that brings us to our so yeah so that was Ovivo O-V-I-V-O Wizard of Legend and then this last game with with the spotty um, controller thing because I don't know what the fuck you're supposed to do if you have a steam controller if you're on a couch you have to get up you have to go back to like the fucking actual computer I don't know um that was Space God which I mean this is one of the reasons why I do not write review let's see I wonder you know I'm not going to look it up because I don't want to attack anyone because I mean everyone makes mistakes and stuff but that is a fucking really glowing review of Space God from the Gaming on Linux people that I I, I do not agree with I, literally I've played two hours of Space God I, I can't see when I bought this game uh, immediately as quick enough as I would like but I would say that it has been within the last two, 10 days that I've been playing Space God. It has been an effort to log two hours in Space God. It's been also somewhat of an effort to log three hours or 3.6 hours in Wizard of Legend. So I would not recommend those right now, but they're new and noteworthy and they run great on Linux almost. So, I have war. Base them with the feature, you monkey bitch. Yes, master. 
one day. And then you're, remember, don't forget, you're still fired, Ivor. Fire yourself. Actually, play that clip. Burn everything incriminating, including this building. Burn all the White House pets, and then yourselves. Burn yourselves first. There you go. Now, baste them with the, with the intro. So finally, as promised, this week's show, we have our feature, um, which, oh my god, audacity is, oh, we got 15 minutes, awesome, I'm glad we got through all those games and all that shit. Our feature this week is called Hyper Short But Super Fun. It is all about Hyper Sentinel. That's H-Y-P-E-R I know there's so many games with Hyper right now. Space S-E-N-T-I-N-E-L That would be Septimus Exigency Ninja Taco Invective Ninja, Expurgate, Linode. Because, you know, I'm expert in in uh, military jargon there. So, Hyper Sentinel. So, here's everything in about 15 minutes. Eh, a little under that. This is a review. This is a full review. Normally, it takes... Well, my standards for reviews are always the same. I must either beat the game... Or I've logged at least 20 hours in the game. Ideally, I've done both. Well, this game is the rare exception. Hyper Sentinel, which retails for... uh, Oh my god, Steam fucking... Hyper Sentinel retails for... A fucking decision-making coloring price of $14.99. Now, for those of you who are fastidious, uh, or I think that's the right word, for those of you who listen to this podcast with religious, you know, blah, or have heard previous episodes, or maybe you've heard rumors that there's a podcast for this particular niche, might recall that several weeks ago, we lambasted fucking Hyper Sentinel because we, on our Mint 18.3 box, um, it crashed out of the box. It would not run, it would not it would go through the uh, de- two developer screens, like the credit screens of for both the developer and publisher, and then it would just hard crash. No logs, nothing. Blah. And uh, several weeks ago, we were doing an episode where we got a reply from the developer on uh, the discussion thread for their Steam community. Shortly after that, after we had posted the podcast, we attempted to update our drivers uh, due to... Um, Linux Mint update suggesting that we do this one particular driver update for because uh, we run an NVIDIA card on here so it was NVIDIA 390 but it was a anyway I knew it was going to break the system but it, you know we had to, I wanted to do it so we did it it broke the system um, I did not format the system I just fucking I'm so used to it now after literally over 10 years um, 
more like 12 years of fucking since Ubuntu at least 8 I'm used to fucking manually installing the fucking NVIDIA drivers if I have to so that was what that was what happened that was all that happened downloaded the latest NVIDIA drivers that were of the same species or family or whatever let's see let's find out what god we don't need to be useful in this particular respect I know I'm sorry but it's it's difficult for me to let a technical detail like this go when it's this early in the morning Uh, you see what happens to me when I don't have enough whiskey in me Mm. update driver cache I'm just looking at what what Mint18.3 thinks that we have installed yeah okay so it says that we have NVIDIA 390 installed well never update those through the fucking uh, update manager if you run Mint never do that because they always break them and, you know, blah. 390 is okay for us right now. Bottom line is that in that process of fixing that, which took, you know, 10 minutes or whatever, um, to get all of our displays up and running again, the whole thing probably took 20 minutes, including the downloading of the fucking... Mm. I'm not entirely sure if that's how I did it, though, but it doesn't matter. Then the next time that I tried to run Hyper Sentinel, which... I had tried to run so many times. I tried to run it probably 15, 20, 25 times. Each of them crashing the same way. I had long given up on fucking, you know, blah, on trying to fucking uh, test it on my end in terms of like, oh, what's wrong with my my system? What's wrong with my setup? Um, and that's when I posted the the thread to their discussion thing. And then the day that I recorded that episode... The minute, you know, as I was recording the episode, uh, the developer replied, but it was not a substantive reply. I mean, he's he's doing his best, but he's got a lot of shit that, you know, he's like, it's a one-man show, more or less, from my, from what I can glean. And even if it's not, he's like, whatever. I think the same guy dropped in on a live stream of us, though, the day that we got it to finally work, which is like a week later, ten days later, or something like that. Bottom line is that Hypersentinel, at least on 18.3, Mint 18.3, I can tell you that Hypersentinel works. You will need a controller. Hypersentinel is... Here's everything you need to know about it. Everything you need to know about it. One, it is short. I beat the game in four hours on normal difficulty. I have only unlocked six of 34, so 18% of the possible achievements for Hypersentinel. Generally, because it's $14.99, that would make this game not a game I would recommend. And in fact, I cannot recommend. I cannot give Hyper Sentinel the highest honor that we reward that we award to any game that we ever review on the Best Links Games Podcast. It is not worth full price anytime, any day, any moment. It is not inherently worth $14.99. It's too much. That is too high an asking price. And it kills me to say this. It should be... I would pay $8. If it were $8, I would absolutely recommend everyone here go buy it. Now, that is just on the merits of price alone. In terms of fun, this game is an endlessly repeatable not endlessly repeatable but it is a 
very replayable, unique, super fun video game. And I will tell you exactly why. Three premises. First, well, not three premises. Hyper Sentinel, here's everything you can do in Hyper Sentinel. Every mission, and these ships are pre-scripted. They are not uh, procedurally generated. It's um, a 1980s style Nintendo Entertainment System um, top-down shooter. Here's every action you can perform that I can think off the top of my head. You can fly left in one direction. You can fly right in one direction. Meaning that you can switch directions. So we can eliminate the first two. So you can switch directions that you're flying. You're either flying right towards the right of the screen or you're flying to the left. Underneath you is a giant capital ship that your job is to always destroy all the ground targets on. At least every game mode that I've played. I have not... Actually, no. That's arcade mode. I've only played arcade mode. So, there you go. That's action one. Action two is you can shoot. You cannot shoot a secondary weapon. There's only a primary weapon, and there are weapon upgrades that you can pick up, but they are temporary. Um, And they themselves cannot be upgraded. And they are duration-based. They seem to be not based on the amount of use, but on the amount of time since you actually captured the upgrade. You can move up and down. So, like, so if X is right and left, then you can move uh, Y. You can move up and down. You can move your two-dimensional pixel trash um, Starfighter up and down the screen from the top to the bottom. The other thing you can do is boost, which you can do with almost impunity. It takes a couple, it takes like maybe 1.5 seconds for it to start to take effect, but once it takes effect, you can fly as fast as anything in the video game in one direction. You cannot reverse directions when you boost. When you reverse directions, if you're about to be hit with lasers or anything, um, they go through you. They make you invulnerable not just at the second that you flip your ship the other direction, but there's a fuzzy little zone there, maybe half a second either way, where uh, you're still invulnerable. Your job is to destroy all the ground targets on these giant enemy ships. The way this works out, ultimately, is this game is a fucking delicate combination. It's not a delicate combination. It's a fairly, just like, it's a very primal kind of game it feels just like it came out of 1980s so in that sense it is a combination in order of primacy in order of principle mixological uh, elements that have gone into this game it is exactly like a combination of Star Force which I think was from 1989 for the Nintendo Entertainment System has the same visual style as Star Force. With Astro Smash from the Intellivision, which for those of you who do not know Astro Smash, fucking go get the emulator for the Intellivision, download the Astro Smash, and uh, 
I recommend that if you're of age and if you're in a place where it's legal, then as you play Astro Smash for the first time, if you've never played it before, um, you should either get really stoned if you can, or really drunk if you can, and you know it's you're of legal age and stuff, and it's a you know not inappropriate for you to do so. And then I want you to play two games of Astro Smash. First game, you will probably die in about 30 minutes. Second game, once you know what's up, it will be hours, and they will be excruciating, and they will drive you out of your fucking mind. Because Astro Smash by the Blue Sky Rangers, God bless their heart, is an amazing game. It's a torture chamber. Astro Smash, you're like this little guy on the surface of a planet, and you can only move left and right, and that's how you dodge things that are going to hit you, and you have to destroy all these asteroids. Eventually, asteroids break into smaller parts, but they're all different kinds of asteroids, all kinds of different velocities. You have one gun. It's the the pixel cannon, which is actually a rectangle, so it's two pixels. Bigger than one pixel. It's way better. Um, and things speed up slowly as the opposition uh, grows in number slowly get hit once you die I'm going to spoiler alert for those of you who are not interested in playing Astro Smash which you should and you should also get Thundercastle do it, Thundercastle is a fantastic game anyway Astro Smash becomes a fucking exercise in sadism because the Blue Sky Rangers, and this was true of basically everything that they did for Intellivision, they were the guys behind Intellivision too, they made all of the best games for Intellivision, was that we need to compete with the arcades. So we're going to make games that are going to be fun, but they're also going to be religious, demi-religious, hyper-hallucinogenic experiences in which the player, once you buy an Intellivision game, you're going to get 10,000 hours of gameplay out of it, even if it's not the greatest game in the world. We're going to try to ramp that up. Astro Smash is a very good game. It does take about four hours in one sitting until you are playing where you can actually challenge other people's scores on your own system. But by that point, your mind is already broken, and you're a gibbering, slobbering maniac. You'll wonder the first time you play Astro Smash, why do I have all these extra guys? I keep getting all these extra guys. It's because it takes, well, it depends on what you're playing the game for. That's a smile right there. This is my smiley face. If you want to get the new high score on your system... then you're going to need every single fucking one of them. In fact, you will lose them this fast. One guy. One guy. One guy. One guy. And you will have, by that point, that's like, you know, three and a half hours, four hours into your little adventure on Astro Smash. Once you start losing guys, you'll lose ten guys. Like, in around two hours, three hours, you'll lose twenty guys. But they already extend off the screen. You can't 
you have no idea how many guys you have, how many extra ships you have. So if you really want to beat the high score on your on your on your system, you have to prepare your mind for that. Preferably by getting really drunk or really high or both or, you know, huffing glue or eating Tide Pods or whatever it is that you need to do to get into the zone where you know that you are about to experience something that is equivalent to a torture test. Torture test. I did this to my uh, housemate once. Joe Webb. Webster. Great friend. Great guy. Um, And it melted his tiny little brain. Because there's a tipping point, and yes, I know. So fine, we'll go one. one I know, Ivor. We'll go to one hour and fifteen minutes. There's a tipping point with Astro Astro Smash, where, as I frequently written about my hometown, Las Vegas, uh, this unfair city, there's a tipping point where the laughter turns to screams, and you can see this in a lot of things, but in Astro Smash, it is so slow, because the game ramps up its difficulty, the the curve on the difficulty extends so far into the future. You can go dozens of rounds without feeling threatened at all, and wondering, how is this so easy? And it gets harder and harder and harder, but you still you're still wondering. I have like a billion extra guys extend off the screen. Ah ha ha! Ah fuck! Ah! Ah! Then an hour later, you're just like ah fuck! Ah! I went fuck! Ah! Ah! I gotta put one mother fuck you! Then an hour after that, you are a gibbering, fucking, drooling lunatic who's howling at the TV, just howling it with, like, rage, like, it's uncontrollable. You know, just syllables. You're just, like, spitting syllables in rage at the TV. And, uh, I found my father, God rest his soul, I miss you, Dad. I miss you, Pops. I found my, my dad playing Astro Smash Frequently, when I because w- he would come home from the strip at two in the morning, working uh, in the the pit orchestras there, uh, to wake up at six thirty in the morning so that he could go teach school. Um, this is when I was very young, um, and I would frequently find him in our living room playing Astro Smash in his tuxedo with his tie undone. My dad was not a big drinker or big anything. He did, didn't do anything, really. He was he hated drugs, um, but was not a big drinker or anything like that. My dad looked like a deranged fucking maniac, looked like Jekyll, looked like looked, looked like Mister Hyde sitting there in his taxi, and he'd be like frothing at the mouth and screaming at the TV. <laughs> and it's like five thirty in the morning, by the way. <laughs> Playing Astro Smash. Hyper Sentinel. And I mean this in a good way about Astro Smash. But Astro Smash does not survive in terms of like modern class. It's a classic game, but it is spent too much time with Astro Smash. I mean, I've spent a lot of time with Astro Smash because we did not have an Atari 2600. We had an Intellivision, which was great. 
because I got to play Thundercastle. Um, but yeah, they didn't know what they were doing. They didn't know that, like, oh, if we make this, if we extend this out so far that eventually people will be chewing through their own faces and cursing our names because we're demons from hell. Those being the Blue Sky Rangers, the developers. So, Hyper Sentinel comes close to that. It will not take you endless amounts of hours to beat it. It will not take you endless amounts of hours to get very good at the game. Played it on hard difficulty level, which does introduce a few new wrinkles. But, so it's like Star Force meets Astro Smash meets a non-Z-axis aware version of Zaxxon. Zaxxon, for those of you who, who may not remember, was a fixed camera, demi-isometric, faux 3D, long before this was fucking possible, uh, with the camera tilted at a, I don't know, 30 degree angle-ish uh, on the play field, and your fighter could move along, instead of it being a two-dimensional uh top-down or, you know, whatever type of space fighter, as was so common during those... D- during that era of gaming, you actually had control of the Z-axis. So you would have to, you know, lower... You'd have to point your nose down, point your nose up, and you could also move from left to right. Um, so you could move up and down and left and right. But, uh, yeah. Which provided you with a huge array of fucking awesomeness, and they design the levels accordingly. So, like, you would have to fly through slits and stuff. Or take out gun emplacements that are on either side of the slits and shit. You would have to dodge objects, more or less, that were in pseudo-3D. It did make um, depth perception very difficult in terms of projectiles fired at you. But, anyway... Except for things that had shadows. I remember that there were missiles that had shadows. So you take all three of those games and you wrap them into one kind of game. You can't control your vertical height in Hyper Sentinel. But you will be instantly enchanted. Because it is fundamentally fun and it is a blast em up like a blast em up should be. It is, however, painfully short. If it were either twice as long... Seriously, I can't remember um, how many stages there are, because they're like... I want to say that they go A, B, C, D, E, and each letter has like five stages. Let's find out. And then we'll we'll close the show. It is impressive that they made this with Unity, though. I mean, anyone who dogs on Unity is a fucking idiot. In my humble opinion. I mean, unless they have, like, actual fucking technical assertions they wish to make. Excuse me. Hang on, let me mute this. Unless they have actual... Because I hear this shit on the internet all the time. I hear a lot of people talking about shit they don't know what the fuck they're talking about in terms of game design. And that, like, you know, generally, instantly, it's like, oh, yeah, you've never worked with any of these things, have you? In fact, you've never made a game, have you? No, you haven't. You haven't even ever tried, have you? Um, you don't even know what the 
you wouldn't <laughs> anyway um this is a it's a really good game wait for it to go on sale hyper sentinel so okay so uh oh let me switch to difficulty cuz i was like whoa okay so there's one two there's what Well, there's something like, okay, so I got 1A, 1B, 1C, 2A, 2B, 2C, 3A, 3B, 3C, 4A, 4B, 5A. But they couldn't make a 4C? Maybe I have to unlock it or something? I don't know. But, um, so that's 3, 6, 9, uh, 12. There are only 12 levels in Hyper Sentinel. You will have fun and be frustrated beating them all um but if you're not into arcade shooters no matter how innovative they are Hyper Sentinel at $15 is an expensive game I mean fuck we just saw um like last week or something fucking Tomb Raider or Tomb Raider whatever Rise of the Tomb Raider the entire fucking franchise that meant two games for Linux was like 80% off on a Steam weekend or week sale. So that's like $18 or 20 bucks or whatever for Rise of the Tomb Raider or, you know, Tomb Raider 2013, the reboot, the first good one since Tomb Raider 1. Um, which is like a dollar more than, or, you know, two or three dollars more than Hyper Sentinel. Um, And you can beat it in four hours, and after you beat it, you really don't ever want to play it again. Um, because at least in my case, I felt pretty disappointed by the absolute length. It's not like these spaceships that you're fighting, that you're destroying the ground targets on, are all that complex. Like I could make, I could write a fucking program, I could write a script in a week. Given enough fucking ship elements, I can make the ship elements too, for fuck's sake. It's not like you have to navigate through them. You just you're flying over them. Um, that could just fucking randomly generate a new ship all the time. But they didn't do that, and that's okay. You know, they made the game what they made. It is not worth $14.99. But pick it up when it's on sale, and you will be happy. If, especially if you're in hankering for a low synaptic activity, low brain power style, um, super fucking explodey, uh, eight bit style graphic extravaganza, reminiscent of Star Force meets Astro Smash, which also perversely meets Zaxxon. Those three games have nothing in common with each other, which is fairly interesting just realized one, well, it doesn't matter so that'll do us for this week um, I have to go back to the printer right now so yeah, final verdict on uh, uh, Hyper Sentinel Hyper Space, or yeah, Hyper Sentinel is, it's hyper short, but super fun um, whether or not to own it to, to pay full price for it that's up to you and your god, but I would recommend that you wait for a Steam sale which is a painful uh, verdict for me to render, but hey, fuck, don't 
charge $15 for a game that is four hours long. If you want the inverse of that, there is no other game, though. I mean, it is a very innovative game. Hyper Hyperspace Sentinel, or Hyper Sentinel, is a, a fairly innovative game. And it combines a lot of... Um, it's very well made. It combines a lot of... Um, a lot of old things in a new way that actually makes it entirely new. Because uh, I can't remember the I mean, maybe I can't remember if you could switch directions in Moon Patrol, but you could in Defender. It's a lot like Defender in that way, but it's not side scrolling, it's top down. Anyway, if you want a game that you could spend upwards of 55 hours playing, we've spoken about it at length on this podcast Hyperspace Dogfights, which. I think is not it, it's nine dollars and ninety nine cents. I've spent it says fifty five hours right now. I spent seven of them because at one point I accidentally left it on when I went to sleep. Um, so forty eight hours. As soon as I'm done with this podcast, guess what I'm going to do? I'm not going to go back over to that printer. I'm going to play some hyperspace dogfights. So there you go. Tragically, Hyper Sentinel not worth full price but still worth checking out and worth playing. And if you can find it on sale, pick it up. Cheers, thanks for listening. That'll do us for this episode. Find us on Steam. Friend me on Steam. My name is Skooky Sprite. S-K-O-O-K-I-E-S-P-R-I-T-E. We also have a Twitch stream of the same name. Twitch.com slash Skooky Sprite. S-K-O-O-K-I-E-S-P-R-I-T-E. Where we stream all the time. In fact, there are fairly good odds that we will be streaming within mere moments of this. Uh, hitting your ear holes. Uh, that's it. Hopefully we'll kick out the column sometime during this week. If not, then it'll maybe be done in time for next week's episode. Next weekend's episode. Episode 190. Jesus! Alright, take us away, Ivor. I have to go execute Ivor with a shovel and a fucking uh, bag of quicklime. Uh, I got the garage here. I, uh, oh. <laughs> yes! Oh, boy. Oh, wow. You don't want to work that piano wire wrapped around your wrist. You don't want to do that without wearing gloves, as I just learned now. So I'm going to have to do Ivor the old-fashioned way. We're going to have to drop a piano on his head. Thanks for listening. Until later on this week or next week. Excelsior! There is no Windows version of weaponized chess. It's fucking ponderous, man. Ponderous, fucking ponderous. It only runs on Linux. It's not a problem. You alienated part of America. I alienated crazy people. I like it very much. It is I, E.B. Farnham. You're becoming hysterical. I'm here. I'm there. I'm fucking everywhere. I'm the Eggman. The best Linux games podcast is brought to you by Blue Wizard is about to die. Now available for the first time as an ebook on Amazon.com. To subscribe to the podcast using a Linux-based podcatcher like Podracer, or to see our YouTube gameplay videos, please visit www.bestlinuxgames.com. Also, join our Steam community group, Best Linux Games, Friends Cookie Sprite, and follow him on Twitter at VegasWriter. BLGP is also brought to you by the Radio Control Room Project. 
For details, please visit www.rcrproject.com or rfihc.com. Zig thanks you. For great justice.